Welcome to the Boys in Blue podcast, the podcast that's all about cops. I'm your host, retired police officer Bill McReynolds. You have tuned in, undoubtedly, to the most informational law enforcement podcast out there today because we'll talk to real cops, some active, some retired, and we'll get the inside story on law enforcement. So once again, I'm the host of the Boys in Blue podcast, retired police officer Bill McReynolds. And once again, I'm seated behind the stainless steel titanium microphone inside the Boys in Blue studio here in beautiful Mesa, Arizona. As many of you know from previous podcasts, I'm retired from the Pierce County Sheriff's Office up in Washington State. And we are so pleased to have as our podcast guest today, the current sheriff of Pierce County Sheriff's Department, Sheriff Paul Pastor. Sheriff Pastor, welcome to the Boys in Blue podcast. Bill, thank you. I, um, I uh, appreciate the opportunity and um, um, Boys in Blue and Girls in Blue are both welcome, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, I chose that just because most people would know what that meant, but I expected I would get some flack, and you're the first one to point that out. <laughs> I'm, I'm no fun. That's, that's... Oh, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. So, Sheriff, um, you've been, how long have you been the sheriff with Pierce County Sheriff's Department? Um, I have had the privilege of being sheriff for just under 20 years. Wow, wow, 20 years. Okay, so... You came on just as I left, obviously. Now, what is your background? Where'd you grow up? And you... Well, I tell people I grew up in the United States Navy, so I grew up uh, everywhere. Um, people say, what's your hometown? And I say, my hometown apparently is the Navy. I've lived all around the country. Uh, my dad um, retired uh, as a non-com in the Navy after many years. And uh, so I'm not an officer's kid. I'm a non-com kid, a non-com's kid who's moved around a lot. Well, okay. Now, were you in the military yourself? I was not. I did not uh, serve in the military. Um, I um, uh, grew up with tremendous respect for the Navy and hold your seat, even for the United States Marine Corps. Wow. <laughs> well, you know, we're in good company there. Uh, people ask me if I was in the military, and I said, yes. I was in there 18 years, and then I follow that immediately by saying, well, my father was a retired master sergeant of the old army, and so as long as I was under his roof, it was like being in boot camp. So I just figured I got about 18 years of military under me. <laughs> you and I have I, similar upbringings, it sounds you know, like. You know what? It was good discipline. You know, when he called me, uh, he'd say, Bill. <laughs> And it wasn't, yeah, or what, it was, sir. And by the way, I learned quickly how to police the area, how to stand an inspection. No, well, that was good for me, even though uh, uh, <laughs> I never was actually in the real military. So, well, so I didn't like that. I didn't like that much when I was a teenager, but uh, the older I get, uh, the more I, remire, I admire and appreciate my dad's approach. Well, you're, you and me are on the same page on that for sure. So tell me what attracted you to law enforcement? 
for me, that's a long and complicated story. Um, I thought I was wanted to be a college professor, so I went to grad school, and um, I did some research on policing, and a little light bulb went off, and the little light bulb said, uh, gee, these guys do things, and they were all guys at that point. Um, uh, these guys do things that are um, morally engaging and intellectually engaging. So um, it is not dull in terms of having to make good moral choices. That's what police officers do on a regular basis. If you watch television, you think uh, we, as you know, uh, you'd think that we uh, get in car chases and gunfights all the time. What we do is we make difficult moral choices in complex social situations in real time without a whole lot of time to do it. And so I found that as I observed police work in New Haven and Boston, it was, uh, it was morally engaging. It's also intellectually engaging. It uses your brain. Um, it um, makes you figure out uh, tactics, strategies, and the approach you're going to take. Um, and makes you follow through with that and allows you to improve uh, that in real time. Sometimes as you're uh, sitting on your hind end on the asphalt saying, gee, that didn't work. Um, so um, intellectually engaging, morally engaging. There aren't many jobs you can have, and I'm not sure I would call this a job, uh, where you get to make a lasting moral difference in communities. And policing gets to do that. That's a privilege to get to do that. I agree 100%. And I also agree that it's not a job. It's a call. I believe it's a calling. Amen. And anybody that doesn't see it that way going in does not last very long. And uh, you know as well as I do that nobody gets into this for the, for the money. In fact, I took a pay cut to be honest. <laughs> Uh, just because it was a calling for sure. Anything else was just totally boring, boring. What was your uh, final education? Did you have a master's, doctorates? I'm a, I'm an overeducated cop. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I, I usually don't talk about this because it really hurts my street cred. But um, I got to go to graduate school at Yale University. I have two master's degrees and a Ph.D. And so I don't allow people to call me doctor because I'm not the doctor. The kind of doctor does you any good. And I get tired of people with a lot of education who keep pointing at it and acting like they're better than other people. That'll go a long way with the street cred, believe me. Yes, indeed. So yeah, this is interesting to me. What was your thesis for your doctor's degree? It was um, routine alcohol and uh, drug and mental health contacts in the street and how patrol officers um, um, arranged those and concluded those. So it meant uh, spending time with Boston PD and um, with Seattle PD. I later came back and worked with Seattle um, when I worked for the Alcohol and Drug Abuse Administration and was on patrol with them for about uh, two years. Uh, they um, allowed me to uh, integrate with them, something I probably wouldn't do today in my position, but God bless them that they did, and I still have friends that are retired now that I worked with and learned from and I'm grateful to know. 
What department was that again? Um, was Seattle, Seattle PD. Seattle PD. What years were those? That was 1970, late seven, no, 74 to 76. Oh, okay. So, well, that's, I, I worked very closely with Seattle PD canine for the times that I was there. But did you see much difference? This is interesting to me. Now, I ride in what they call the Police Unity Tour on a bicycle. Oh, oh wow. So I'm some of you guys do that. I know Dennis Robinson is involved in that. Exactly. And uh, we do it regularly. Uh, unfortunately, the impetus for us doing it is we've lost too many people in the last few years. That is the absolute truth. The absolute truth. But. The difference I see, because we we fly into New Jersey and we ride from New Jersey to Philly and then Philly to Baltimore and then the next day into Washington, D.C. for the Police Memorial Week there, which I'm sure you've attended. I have. Yes. Um, uh, I, I saw a big difference between Northeast police officers and Northwest police officers. Did you notice that? Um, I did notice some difference, uh, but um, uh, sometimes I think people undervalue um, 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 Northeast officers. They seem to uh, have baggage hung on them. Um, um, you know, people make jokes about, can you tell me uh, how to find the Empire State Building officer, or should I go do something obscene to myself? Um, <laughs> the, um, the, the fact is, what impressed me in both New Haven and Boston is people did a hell of a lot of good police work and people cared about what they did in the best kind of way. You mentioned calling. This is a calling, not a job. I saw people who took it as a calling. I saw people who did, uh, who cared about other people and acted that way, not because it was cool or some kind of a program, but because that's who and what they are. So I think we undervalue some old-fashioned kind of police work that got good things accomplished and was a moral approach to things. You know, I, that is the same observation I make. They are a tight, tight group. And one of the things I envied of them was their affection for each other, and it's a generational thing. You'll find that a police officer, well, his father was a cop, his grandfather was a cop, and it just seems to have that kind of a more of a family feeling. Uh, they really take care of each other, and it's not so, they're very hospitable, but it's not so easy to, to crack that uh, circle either, even though you're another officer. But it was always, it's always a joy. I'll be riding again this year. And uh, All right. Yeah, so it's always fun. We, we start out in New Jersey there and um, ride all the way down there. And uh, every year I say, I'll never do this again. You're too damn old. <laughs> I, I will see you when you arrive. I will be back at uh, Police Week because um, on the 21st of December, we lost one of our own. We lost one of our young deputies, uh, Cooper Dyson. Oh, boy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we read all about that. Yeah, in fact, I'm I'm in contact with a lot of guys from your department now. But yeah, that that is quite a thing. So, in regards to that, um, you've had your share, sheriff, of uh, losing guys. Uh, the Lakewood thing, 
Um, were those considered Lakewood officers or deputies? Those were Lakewood officers. When I got the phone call that morning, I was told it was our people. Um, and, um, yeah, that, um, that runs movies I wish I didn't have in my head. Mm -hmm. um, four in an ambush situation, four officers, somebody walked into a, um, a coffee shop and began, walked up to him and opened fire. And, um, it was, um, um, it was, uh, difficult and educational at the same time, the outpouring of help from brother and sister, um, um, officers was incredible. Um, I think we, uh, worked very closely and, uh, formed even closer bonds with, uh, local agencies than we already have, but it was a dark, dark day for us and for American law enforcement for of our own lost in one incident. Yeah, that was that was just uh, devastating. And see, now, Sheriff, when I left, uh, we patrolled Lakewood. You know, they did, and we patrolled University Place, and I think there's several other uh, areas that have uh, consolidated into uh, municipalities. But so that's why I asked if they were actual deputies or. And I think you were on, con the, wasn't the Sheriff's Department on contract to some of the cities there? Oh, uh, yes, and we contracted with Lakewood, but Lakewood had by that time uh, formed their own agency. Uh, the the shooting took place in county jurisdiction. Oh. So we did the investigation. And as I say, I was informed and people thought at first that we had lost four. We wear the same color uniforms. Mm -hmm. They were in county jurisdiction outside of city limits. And um, it was um, um, something that I hope other agencies um, never have to face, but um, um, I had the opportunity to talk to Chief uh, uh, Joseph, uh, Joseph David Brown of Dallas. He lost five uh, wow. when gunmen showed up at a demonstration and began um, shooting um, officers and deputies. And um, I was on a panel with him for the Law Enforcement Executive Development Associates. And um, um, same kind of difficulty. He lost more than we lost, but um, uh, the idea of, of somebody breaking the chain, breaking the bond, not just between people with badges, but between the community and people with badges. Mm. And in, in him losing people, he lost people during a demonstration, um, basically against police practices. Interestingly, officers there were shielding the demonstrators with their bodies. That is the kind of heart that law enforcement demonstrates. You can mm. be in a demonstration against us, and our people will jump in and risk themselves to save your lives. If that's not an indication of strength and class and ethics, I don't know what is. You know, I think that's what uh, so many people miss and don't catch that. In fact, uh, with that, I was on scene when we lost uh, Deputy Ken Moran. That was before yes. your time. Um, that's what he was doing, you know, uh, Car chase, bank robbers, uh, they bail, they run, shots flying. 
some lady comes out of yeah right. some lady comes out of her house and he leaves cover to get to her to get her back behind cover and he that's when he took a bullet yeah people miss that aspect for sure well it wasn't long after that that you had some more traumatic uh, losses just almost on the heels of that it was one month later that um two of ours were um shot in a um unwanted guest call um and um we lost Kent Mundell, who, uh, like Ken Moran, um, uh, put himself up. Um, one of our people who was a sergeant at the time, he's now one of my bureau chiefs, Nick Dunbar, was shot in a kind of surprise act by this guy. And then a gunfight ensued that, that Kent Mundell did not leave. He stood about eight feet away and exchanged shots. And in doing that, he, he saved the lives of three other people in the house and also, I believe, uh, saved the life of Nick Hausner, uh, the sergeant. Um, he um, uh, survived for a week after that, and, um, and, then, um, and then he was lost. Um, so um, what I say, I've been to too many funerals and addressed too many funerals. What I say is America needs to value people who ha have an ethic of, of duty and obligation and willingness to sacrifice. That is what is incredible about the people I work with who wear badges. Duty and obligation and, and sacrifice. And America needs a whole lot more of that and a whole lot less of me, me, me. I agree. Um, to add to that, I would say that there's a more of a majority uh, of civilian uh, people that appreciate and uh, look up to policemen than law enforcement realizes. I say that That's because true. Uh, we had an incident down here in Arizona where Oh, drug deal gone bad, you know, and a couple undercover guys are shot, SWAT team, oh boy, you know, the whole ugly scene. And one of the SWAT guys, a sergeant, his friend of mine, I'm talking to him, and we're talking about, well, how, how is he dealing with things and all that. And he said, the shooting part and the scene, he said, I handled that fine. He said, uh, you're just methodical, they left, okay, what can we learn from it, that sort of thing. But during the funeral procession, he said, what startled me? And this is really strange, Sheriff, coming from a guy that had been on 20 years. During the funeral procession, we're in one of the cars, of course. The citizens that lined the street uh, for blocks and blocks, he says, that's what broke me up because I never realized how appreciated we were. Uh, and I think the officers need to hear that more than the liberal press and administrations that, you know, tell us we acted stupidly and that sort of thing. I think uh, that's one of the main things that's missing in law enforcement is the realization that, hey, most people are thankful that they call 911 when you guys are going to show up and help us. You know, I mean, that is really something that's on my heart a lot is to, to let these guys know, hey, there's people out there that love you and care about you. A bunch. That's an example of um, 
of, uh, I think, the hope we need to um, um, grow and hold on to. We drive past 150 houses to get to the house where uh, mayhem is going on. And those 150 houses house people who might get a traffic ticket once in a while or whatever, but are basic, good, decent citizens. Sure. Um, it's true that we are better appreciated than, than we know. The Gallup poll shows us number three in uh, most trusted institutions in America, uh, behind the military and the church. Um, we went down for a little while in 2015 after Ferguson, uh, but we came back up. We are trusted. Uh, that is good. Here's what we have to do about that, though. We need to have those people who show up for funeral processions and salute and are heartbroken step up and advocate for sufficient resources and sufficient uh, support when there's no funeral going on. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Yeah. It's a little late after you need them to have, you know, like the, your last... Your last blog on the thin blue line, that was, that's spot on about, yeah, it's too much. It costs too much until you need them. Then, wow, where are they? Right. Well, so um, one more, one more question on this. What would you say is with your education background and research and the years you've been as a leader uh, in law enforcement, what would you say, um, is the most effective way that officers can deal with traumatic incidents? Well, it's, uh, it's, very, it's very hard. Um, um, we are of a culture, many of us, that, um, you know, you step forward and uh, you keep going. Um, and unfortunately, that, uh, that accumulates and the, the, the pressures and difficulties uh, accumulate. People don't realize this. In fact, a friend of mine once said that part of the reason you see um, officers tearing up at funerals is not just because one of their own is lost, but it's also because of other times they can't tear up. When they see the six-year-old who's been raped or they see a terrible car crash situation, um, or they see, um, um, you know, old people abused. Um, so it's like there's a, a, a pouring out a catharsis of all of the stuff that uh, we keep inside. We have been focusing on wellness more here for our people, especially with the number we've lost. We've lost four in, uh, in the last uh, 10 years uh, in this agency and many more of that in our neighboring agencies. Um, uh, we're working on getting people to uh, to reach out and talk about things and say this is tough. That doesn't mean we all go for group hugs and um, you know rainbows and uh, glitter sure. Sure. unicorns. It does mean that um, uh, we're capable of having our hearts hurt um, as as people who um, are simultaneously guardians and warriors um, and. We need to both help our people recognize that and then help our people deal with that. I get to work with incredible people, men and women who have amazing heart, and we need to take better care of them. And the public needs to help us take better care of them. I agree 100%. I'd also add to that, 
just from my own observations, um, I do think as officers need a uh, a little more of education on the mindset that's needed, that it is a privilege, uh, that everything isn't negative, that they are appreciated. And that mindset, I think, goes a long way in the healing of some of the issues they have to deal with. And it is uh, what bothers me a little bit, Sheriff, and obviously you, of course, too. We're going to put some uh, names on the wall down here at the Police Memorial in Washington, D.C. for the officers that were lost their lives in the line of duty in 2019. We'll do that this May. But the distressing part is that the number of suicides for police officer dwarfs that number. And that is, uh, that's the part that I think we need a lot of work on. Uh, officers that just have the wrong mindset and don't realize that how much they're appreciated, that they do make a difference and that they are relevant. I think that would go a long way if we could just get that a little more, that uh, mindset that, yeah, you are doing a good thing here. And we've lost one of our own to uh, suicide in the last three years. So um, mm. that's the suicide rates um, um, are about double what um, line of duty death uh, rates are from exterior uh, sources. Um, it's, it's stressful. That's not an excuse. That's not a, um, a gee, poor us. It's something to stand up to, recognize, and get beyond. There you go. There you go. With you. Yes. Now, enough of that stuff. <laughs> How have you survived 20 years as the sheriff? That is an amazing thing. And I'll tell you what. One of the men I dearly love, and I worked for him twice, Ray Fiatlin. <laughs> yes. In fact, <laughs> Ray the, brought me on to the agency. Yeah, he was the uh, undersheriff, and then he became sheriff. And then he went right. from there. He went from there to the, and I moved over uh, as the Tacoma Police Chaplain. He was the Chief of Police there in uh, Tacoma. And uh, what a character, but <laughs> he used to tell me, he says, okay, Bill, here's the deal. At any time, you're going to have 20% of the people mad at you, at least. So 20%, he said, I'm good for about five years in each one of these positions. <laughs> Because by the end of five years, everybody's going to be mad at me. So I'm wondering, Sheriff, how you've managed to, to last 20 if you uh, are to take Ray Fiatlin's analysis to heart. Well, it helps to be Sicilian. Uh, <laughs> so it's, that's, uh, that's one thing. Uh, seriously, um, um, yeah, you're not going to keep any, anybody, any group of people happy all of the time. Uh, it is necessary if you're in a chief or sheriff position or even lower positions of command uh, to make unpopular choices. Um, I guess um, it may have helped given the quality of the people I get to work with and given the fact that Ray was one of those and his predecessor, Lyle Smith, in this agency, mm. reset values compass for the department. And in doing that, and um, uh, people, I think, in this agency subscribe very much to our core values of uh, integrity, responsibility, respect, courage, and compassion, 
and linking values and moving forward has helped do it. I believe we're a values-led agency. Um, uh, maybe that means I don't lead them, values lead them, but I'm just fine with that. And um, I, get to, I get to work with people who understand that. And so I am very, very fortunate. Um, the 20 years is, um, uh, I give the credit to, to my people more than me. I have lost positions in other agencies uh, because I was not willing to compromise values. And that didn't come from my troops. That came from uh, the mayor in, mm. in those situations. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But you have to be willing to leave if you can't stay on the right values track. Well, that's so valuable. That is so valuable. And I have to uh, echo something you said there. <clears throat> Lyle Smith saved that department. I was, I was um, saying yeah. that. Oh, geez. I mean, well, you know the history. <laughs> I do. We had corruption in the department. Our sheriff went to federal prison with good reason because he was a crook. This was, uh, I think, before you and I got uh, uh, got on the department, but uh, he put dirt on the badge. And we have uh, uh, some historical pictures in our hallways, and people say, well, why don't you take down the corrupt sheriff's picture? Uh, and not, and this is, these are just, you know, pictures of people at crime scenes and things like that. I said, I won't do that because I want people to look at that and be reminded of how we shouldn't be. I have a whole wall dedicated to Lyle Smith, as I call him the, the, the grandfather of our, of our core values. That is the way you should be. So let's not deny when we've gone down the wrong path. Let's remember the path so we never go down it again. Well, that's the absolute truth. And uh, one little caveat there. I was hired under George Janovich. Oh. Um, <laughs> the old days when they were burning down each other's topless nightclubs and arson and, oh, my gosh, the corruption that went on there with the car bones. And I remember when Janovich got arrested. And here I'm working traffic. I'm in the traffic division. Uh, what they used to call the pumpkin squad. I don't know if you remember that. but they had orange. Yes, the cars. Sure. <laughs> I had the first orange car. So ah. my, my job was to stop, you know, violators. And you don't think I took it. Uh, after he got arrested, everybody I stopped would look at me, and, you know, because they, they throw us all in one barrel there. <laughs> the abuse I took uh, as a street cop from something that those guys were doing. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah, yeah. So when Lyle Smith came along, you know, we went through about four or five intern Right. None of them worked out. But when Lyle Smith came on, hey, everybody knew it's a new game, new sheriff in town. And he was a man of integrity. I tell you, I love the guy. So um, let me ask you this. Uh, what do you feel is the most, the, what, do you, what is the accomplishment you're most proud of as your tenure with sheriff? Um. I think I think um, maintaining and extending um, our our values aspects. Mm. Um, um, I think that goes a long way with the community uh, to say hi. Here is what we say we are, and look at our behavior. Our behavior is consistent with what we say we are. I mentioned mm. a separate conversation with you that I taught 
uh, I teach for a chaplain's academy, and um, I, I teach about um, um, character, and character is what you say and what you do and how they overlap with one another. I work with men and women whose character is strong, and um, and I, I believe I've been able to link with that and be with them in continuing that. That's what I'm most proud of. Well, I will tell you this. Uh, I know that, you, you know, I can tell from speaking with you, you would never take credit for it, but it starts at the top. And you've, uh, my hat's off to you, Sheriff, you've developed a culture there that uh, is, has the utmost respect. I mean, you can see it in the deputies when I get back up to Washington because I got family and friends. I go smoke cigars with Lloyd Bird and those guys, you know. <laughs> You're a brave man. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, um, and I hear and I see, and so you've done a, a magnificent job of developing a culture there of uh, pride and dignity and integrity. Now, my understanding is... Um, that you are thinking about moving on. Is that true? That is true. Um, you'll be rid of me finally in March. And um, um, it will be um, almost 20 years um, as, as sheriff. There's some things I'd like to keep doing in law enforcement at the national level, not uh, full-time and not with the intensity that uh, goes with uh, sheriffing, but um, it's probably uh, time to spend a little more time with family and also um, I've got the opportunity to do some things with the National uh, Executive Institute with the FBI and the Major County Sheriff's Association. Well, that's great. Now, that will that be in uh, Washington there or will you be? I'll be doing more traveling to Washington, D.C., the other Washington. Okay, I see. Okay, wow. Well, it sounds like you'll be an excellent fit for that, Sheriff. Um, is there, now this is an elected position now, so people will be running for sheriff? That's true. I'm an elected official, so you can't believe anything I've told you. You know what? I do. <laughs> but now, when is the election? Election is in November. So you're going to leave us without a leader for six months? Actually, um, um, I am grateful that I have a command staff. And um, even a couple of retired command staff that uh, the county council could select as an interim, they could hit the ground running and continue good things our people are doing. Wow, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, very briefly, how many deputies do you command now? Um, um, 359 sworn law enforcement personnel. That includes myself. We police about 445,000 people with those people, over um, 1,800 square miles. And as I sometimes say to media outlets, we are not a sleepy little cow county. We got real-time, prime-time, big-time crime. How many corrections officers are you supervising? We have 311 uh, corrections offices in our jail. We also run the biggest hotel in town. Uh, our population today is 1,123, I believe. Oh, wow. Uh -huh. Well, um, one of the podcasts that I'm looking forward to, and I have a commitment, is the toughest sheriff in America. 
is going to come on my podcast. Um, All right. Jeb Joel Arpaio is running again. <laughs> oh. Yes. Yes. Well, I am certainly not the toughest sheriff in, in America. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to be the most Italian sheriff in America. Uh, well, or the most ever overeducated sheriff in America. How's that? Well, you know what? Uh, he's also Italian. He's from Sicily as well. So that's interesting. Got uh, to watch out for people. I'm telling you what. Well, listen, uh, Sheriff Pastor, it's been just a joy to have you on the podcast. We appreciate you taking the time. Is there any final comments you'd like to make to my audience? Um, uh, first of all, I want to thank you and thank you for, if you will, getting people to know um, uh, some human sides of people who wear badges. Um, and um, if there are people out there wondering about uh, law enforcement as a career, uh, to say this will be the hardest job you will ever love if you want to change things for the better. Uh, putting on a badge and doing your job right allows you to change uh, one individual, one family, one community at a time. Well, Sheriff, again, it's a real joy and pleasure to have you on, and best of luck to you come March. And I uh, expect uh, we will, haven't heard the last of you, and you take that culture and that those values, and I know you'll spread it. And so thank you so much for being our guest today. Bill, thank you kindly. Okay, we'll talk to you again, Sheriff. Sounds good. Thank you for listening to the Boys in Blue podcast. Again, I'm your host, retired police officer Bill McReynolds. Boys in Blue comes out every other week. Subscribe to the Boys in Blue wherever you get your podcasts. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and let us know what you think. 